It's Margaret Cho here to tell you about the highly anticipated new TV series, Kung Fu, Wednesday on The CW. Watch TV's newest butt-kicking Nikki Shen, a young Chinese-American whose trip to China becomes a three-year journey of self-discovery at the ancient Shaolin Monastery. But when tragedy strikes, she must return home to San Francisco, only to discover that her community is overrun with crime and that her own family is the target of a notorious triad. Nikki will use her next-level kung fu skills to protect her community. Catch the incredible series premiere of Kung Fu, Wednesday at 8, 7 Central, or stream free next day, only on The CW. Welcome to Pop DNA, the podcast that traces the literary and historical roots of our favorite pop culture works. And welcome to the first annual Pop DNA Film Awards what? bonus episode. <gasps> we are your hosts, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Wait, Rhonda, I don't think we're those people. There's, there's like legal ramifications. I think we have to say who okay. we really are. Just kidding. We're not Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. No. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> they host a lot of award shows. They do. They, would, uh-huh. We tried to get them to host this one. We did. But they were busy. They were I booked have, up. I have that cease and desist um, order with <laughs> Polar's people, so I couldn't really be active on that. But we don't want to talk about that today. <laughs> In, yeah. It's, it's it's fine. It's fine. We'll work it's it fine. out. No, we'll it's fine. It out. No, it's fine. It's great. Yeah. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so we're doing we're doing film awards. We are doing some film awards. We are. Um but why? Because we like to watch the movies on the screen. We do. We do. We do like to watch movies on the screen. Because we um, need a little Christmas <laughs> right this very moment, but Christmas already happened and this year went on, it's, so <laughs> It's like movie Christmas. It's movie Christmas today is movie christmas it's movie christmas yeah (laughs) we should get t-shirts we should um so you know we thought like everybody always says every year like oh i don't really care about the oscars because they don't really reflect like what people really like like what movies people actually saw yeah but then like but then like we do actually care (laughs) right wins oscar and I think um, I think yeah. also that's why, like, we, I don't know, I feel like we want to be included in the moment, too, of, like, an award show. You want to watch, you know, people walk down the, the red carpet. And, oh, yes. The red carpet yeah. is, like, always my favorite part. <laughs> like um, Tom Haverford's shoes that have his red carpet in that there. have red carpet in them, so he's <laughs> always walking on red carpet. Yes. Yes, Tom Haverford. <laughs> So I don't know, like, I guess we just thought it would be fun to just, yeah. <laughs> to just like award movies with this 
award. Should we? Okay, so should we tell the people that they won these awards? Should yes. we reach out to them somehow? It's <laughs> like, rude hey, not to, I think. You won um, this award from this podcast that no one has yeah. heard of. That like three people listen to. But they won and they need to know. It's, you know, any good news is good news right now. That's true. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah. So if you are listening to this right now, hopefully you were able to vote for for your favorites in every category. And if and you're if a celebrity not, at home, hopefully you win. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. And if you didn't vote, well, you really missed out. And you, you only have yourself to blame. It's all your fault, frankly. <laughs> it really is. Just kidding. We like you. Please keep listening. <laughs> Please. Hmm. What was our process like for this? How did you and I come up with like what we wanted, what the different genres? Yeah, that's that's a good question. How did we come up with the the award categories? <laughs> It was all Rhonda. Rhonda's the mastermind. Well, <laughs> was it though? I don't know. I felt like we talked about it. I don't know. No, we I did. Think I think definitely just... like we went with like the things, the elements that we care about in movies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily like what we feel is the most important parts of movies, yeah. but just like the things that we notice, I think. Some of these categories, too, um, are the ones that sometimes get, like, the daytime award show <laughs> that, like, no uh -huh. one watches. <laughs> right. So we yeah. wanted to, like, shine a light on the things that, that sometimes people are, like, not as, I don't know, not as willing to give the spotlight to sometimes. So we have 10 categories that listeners voted and we also have three other awards yeah that we are just going to to give out to whoever kind, we want <laughs> kind of the crown jewels of the event really these it, are they the... really are they really are yeah um yeah i'm excited for those <laughs> yeah i know a lot of a lot of broken hearts going home without um without having won some of these this was hotly contested and it really, a lot of people really dreaming was. about it yeah it really was and you know <laughs> 2020 is an interesting year to to start um <sighs> to start an awards oh my god awards yeah, you're not uh, an awards to start awarding awards how many awards have you awarded in this award season <laughs> Every day I print my cat out a certificate of um, um, accomplishment every okay. single morning. Good. Yeah. Good, as you should. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, but 2020 is an interesting year to start this because yeah. it was a very different year. I mean, oh for everything, but yeah. also for movies. Right. Because Absolutely. Of, because of a lot of different things. Yeah. Because of so many different things oh my god yeah and i think um 
It was an interesting year, too, because I, growing up, I had always thought that movies, like, the movie industry was a pretty unflappable industry. Like, you're yeah. not going to knock over a movie theater. You know, you're not going to... Like, that's always going to be an industry that makes money because people will always go to the movies. Right. And then it was almost like I jinxed the whole thing because <laughs> that is not screeching. true. <laughs> like, I, I don't know about you, Rhonda, but I love going to movies um, with friends, obviously, but also I by myself. That. It's a good, yeah, like, yeah. it's a good solo trip. It, like... I love going to the movies. And when that ended, it was just such a, a massive bummer. Right. Yeah, because everything just kind of shut down. Um, yeah. And in many areas, they theaters still have not reopened. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been a really weird year if you like movies. Do you remember yeah. what the what was the last movie that you saw in a theater before shutdown? <laughs> I think it was Fantasy Island. <laughs> nice. That is solid. I I I loved that movie in all of it it hit all of my needs for a bad movie. Sure. What about yourself? Oh, yeah. Um the last one I saw was Emma and it was Aww. like the weekend it was like the week before everything shut down oh my down. gosh yeah like got like squeaked in right under the wire there yeah, yeah. very strange and it's too bad you had to see a movie that you hated you know right, right. before <laughs> it's too bad yeah your last one you know <laughs> but what's really interesting is that so they um the which studio i think it's universal is the studio that released emma so they did something really interesting early on in in quarantine they released several of their movies that were like still you know scheduled to be in theaters um but since people couldn't go to the theaters you know nobody was seeing them they scheduled several of those movies to be released for digital rentals yeah like, very early so that you could rent them and I think they were all like it was like $20 to rent it which is yeah a lot but when you consider that it was you know like a brand new movie still in theaters basically like it, it makes sense um yeah so they did that with Emma and I think Invisible Man as well, which was still a fairly recent release at the yeah. time. Yeah, I remember being willing to pay the money to get it, you know, to my screen or whatever at home, just because I needed the comfort of the movie theater as yeah. much as I could. And I was like, if I, I was lucky that week, I um, I had a little, just a little bit extra in my um, bank account and I was able to do it. I know a, a big problem is that a lot of people just can't right now. And right. Yeah. It's, that's another huge impact um, for all of us, right? Like this just change economically, but um, yeah, I was willing to pay the extra 20 just because I needed that comfort. Um, mm -hmm. of a good movie that I hadn't seen before. Although, I mean, I guess technically I could have just found something for free, but that 
because I haven't seen all of the movies in ever. But um, oh, really? I, oh, I have. <laughs> Rhonda has seen. <laughs> I didn't. I don't know if you, if our listeners know this, but Rhonda has seen every movie ever. Mm-hmm. That's true. I made every movie ever. So wow, just a little more than just a little more than you. And just, I'm, I made every single movie ever. And I starred in every movie, and I directed every movie. She's also Kristen Wiig, secretly. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Although I'd be so sad if you didn't tell me that after like eight years of friendship, if you didn't Guess tell what, me, okay, Aaron, I'm actually way, Kristen Wiig. <laughs> I'm Kristen Wiig. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely think that like, you know, if we're, if we're not talking strictly about movies that were released in 2020, but just movies in general, I think that they really like movies helped a lot of people get through this year. Like just having, you know, the comfort of, you know, whether it's a movie you've seen a million times or whether you're just discovering it for the first time, like having something that you can escape into for 90 minutes is so valuable and so needed at a time when we're all going through like collective stress and trauma as, you know, as a society, I think um, the arts are something that, that really help people get through that. Absolutely. And I, yeah, at a time um, where every, it felt like every day you were getting new information about whether it's you're laid off from your job or you're, you know, whatever it was happening in your life, every new thing, at least for me, um, when it, when I was going through it, every new thing felt like I cannot handle one more big change. Mm. (laughs) So like big rewatches for movies you've already loved. And then also watching brand new movies. I think overall movies helped me a lot through it. um, And I think Mm. a lot of other people as well. I think there were two different types of like seeking movies. So you, you either needed more intellectual stimulation. You felt like maybe Mm -hmm. since you were just at your house, um, for long periods of time you needed to and maybe you didn't have the headspace to like read a book right then watching Mm -hmm. something that was really smart could be really fun or the opposite what could also be true where just Uh (laughs) you needed to just stare at something pretty for 90 minutes um mindless entertainment (laughs) yeah and either text your friends through it a lot of like text watch alongs have Uh happened um like you and i did with uh with sense and sensibility yeah absolutely (laughs) well that's a mini series but you know whatever but it it counts yeah yeah (laughs) anywhere we could find that comfort i think yeah i don't think i ever actually participated in any watch parties but i was like well that's that's a cool thing (laughs) I don't want, maybe it's better now, but the, the whole Netflix watch party function oh, on the yeah. the thing, what just, they needed to make it so quickly that it kind of glitched out and failed, um, sure. but yeah. they tried so hard to get it to us, you know, so you can't like, you can't complain about it that much, but um, great idea in theory, but I think ultimately it just turned <laughs> into texting on a phone. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
That's fine. It works. Yeah. I think something else that really changed the way that we, you know, process movies, the way that we watch movies is there was, you know, throughout 2020, there was a very heightened social awareness of racial injustice issues. Absolutely. Um, you know, we saw that, you know, nationwide, really worldwide movement in civil rights and the Black Lives Matter movement, um, of course, sparked by um, very high profile cases of black people being um, brutalized um, yeah. and killed by, you know, in like very racially charged ways. Um, and so I think that, you know, that, that is something that has been going on for, you know, forever. Um, but I think that in a weird way, because of the pandemic, it suddenly heightened our focus on that. And that's why there was such, you know, such a big, um, so much awareness and such a big resurgence of this collective, will to go out and protest and to yeah. you know, try try to make try to you know push for this change and i think that that definitely that heightened awareness definitely affected how we see movies how we yeah. see the entertainment industry um in general and you know i think it also at least in regards to how we watch movies it made us think about what what we see in movies, like what kind of faces we see in movies. Yeah. What kind of people we see in movies and, and what kind of people we see making movies. Um, Absolutely. So I think that that really brought a lot of things to the forefront that need to, that need needed and still need to be discussed and and we need to make progress on yeah yeah especially um or not especially but um recent events as as recently to this recording as last week you know it's still very much something that really really needs to be addressed and we can no longer go on saying with people in people saying, oh, it's fixed. It, it is absolutely not. Um, and I agree wholeheartedly that this was a year where it had always been an issue. But yeah, people could no longer go about their daily lives and just sweep it under the rug. You know what I mean? And I love, it's been, um, I, I also definitely agree with what you're saying about, it's been really even more clear this year about who is represented in movies and who mm-hmm. um, is not. And just, and again, that claim that, oh, um, representation is getting more diverse. That might, that might be true, but it's still not something that we can say solved, check mark next to right. it. Yeah. All done. And it never will be quite honestly. No. Like, yeah. As long as there's, people and as long as we have the history that we do it's going to be a never-ending process um absolutely yeah i uh i thought it was like kind like kind of funny but also like the same amount of like i don't know but like how you saw like all of these 
like different companies putting out their statements on like, we are committed to racial right. justice. And then like they post the black square on Instagram. Uh-huh. Then- <laughs> All done. Checked off right. the box. <laughs> and I think that like, like Netflix was, you know, I, I think that Netflix overall, like has done like pretty okay in responding to and you know trying to be like more equitable but like in the first like I don't know like the first couple of weeks of June they had a category on Netflix for you know for like black stories but they put the help in there and like the help was like the number one movie on Netflix like no this is not the movie you need to be watching not what we're talking about right no no so that was funny (laughs) yeah it's not enough to make the category you also have to select things which actually um are meaningful and right yeah oh goodness yeah and i don't know if they if like netflix was pushing that or if people just were like oh we should watch the help because it's about race stuff yeah Yeah. I don't know I don't know maybe it it was both but (laughs) yeah it could definitely also reflect people trying to get better and kind of not having that ignorance you know like oh we'll just watch the help and it'll be fine like no 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 (laughs) no so should we uh this is a weird transition. Should... I love it. Should we get into some awards here? Are you asking me to do this thing? Are we doing this thing? We're doing this thing called awards. <laughs> so <laughs> I I think it makes sense to start with these two categories because, you know, we are both very literary people and mm-hmm. we, you know, have kind of branded this podcast as a very literary podcast so literally 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 literary so (laughs) this this feels like a like a couple a couple good categories to start with here best screenplay and best literary adaptation friends we've reached the first two categories i'm so excited the movies that we have in these categories i mean obviously the literary adaptations they're all books. <laughs> right. They're all based on books. And I think that the the screenplay nominees that we put in here, several of them are quite literary. Yeah, absolutely. Again, because I think that's something that we take note of a little bit mm-hmm. when we select the movies that go in our eyeballs. Right. What I was really impressed with, um, specifically with Best Screenplay, is kind of all the kind of the different ways stories were being told. Like Palm mm-hmm. Springs was a very like the way that that was written was pretty interesting, um, and so was like The Invisible Man and Shirley. Like they were all really they all felt innovative and different mm-hmm. from each other. You know? Yeah, definitely. It's interesting to see how different writers will approach different stories. I think especially with literary adaptations, Emma is in this category of best literary adaptation. And it's a very stylized adaptation, which I think is really interesting. And then we also have Shirley in in this 
Yeah. Um, you know what? Actually, all of these, I think, are quite stylized adaptations totally. but in different ways. Like the personal history of David Copperfield is very like, it's a very whimsical and very almost not silly, but very like witty and interesting yeah. adaptation. It's a good group. We have a couple friends here to <gasps> talk about these categories. So let's hear from a friend on Best Screenplay. Hello, this is Lydia M. Seglorth, author of Dear Librarian. I'm here to present Best Screenplay. Best Screenplay showcases the oldest of writing mantras, show, don't tell. A screenplay can't rely on pages and pages of exposition and ongoing descriptions in the way many books do. Screenplays are also the foundation of every good film. I'm sure we can all think of at least one film that has everything going for it. Budget, star power, CGI. But no star is powerful enough to save a film from cringeworthy dialogue in a terrible screenplay. Screenplays also have to be short, averaging around 112 pages. They have to be succinct. As a children's book author, I understand myself how hard it is to find the clearest and shortest way to tell a good story. All of the following nominees showcase this talent. Here are the nominees. Sarah Govins, Shirley. Lee Wanell, The Invisible Man. Andy Ciara, Palm Springs. Tyresha Poe, Sela and the Spades. Oleg Malovichko, and Andrei Zolotarev, Sputnik. And the, oh, what were, what was the nickname of the award going to be? The Poppy? <laughs> okay. And the Poppy goes to, and here is where I would insert the drumroll sound effect. Andy Ciara for Palm Springs. Yay! Oh, Rhonda, I just loved this movie. I thought it, it was, was great. <laughs> it was so gritty and gross and also funny. I I really liked it a whole <laughs> lot. <laughs> yeah, I felt like we all kind of collectively lived through our own version of Palm Springs during <laughs> quarantine. Absolutely. Because <laughs> you're doing the same thing every single day. Oh my goodness, I know. So it really came to us at the perfect time. <laughs> the The set dressing reminded me of that section of Target that's for college where it has like <laughs> has like the glow-in-the-dark flamingo and like a bunch of crappy chairs you can put in your room. Yeah, it's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> that's exciting so let's hear from another friend to present the best literary adaptation hey this is claire from fictional hangover podcast i love books obviously but i also love movies Seeing books adapted onto the big screen, being able to immerse myself into these fictional worlds and characters in a different way is amazing. Here are the nominees for literary adaptations. Emma, Shirley, Death on the Nile, The Personal History of David Copperfield, and The Secret Garden. And the winner is... 
Emma! Woohoo! Yay! Yeah, you know, this was this was probably this was my favorite movie of 2020, was, I'm gonna say. It was real good. Oh my goodness. And another one yeah. that, that was super vibrant, you know, like the mm-hmm. whole you really felt immersed in the world. It was really great. Yeah, just like the colors and the the costumes and yeah. the music like yeah it's uh i want to go watch it right now i, I know i think <laughs> less so like like we so less so than in palm springs but more so in emma we know this character so much so well mm-hmm. we've seen her in clueless we've seen her in the original book you know we we have opinions about who should play this character and how this character should be presented and Gosh, did not, did not disappoint. That was great. So Claire also told us about her favorite movie of 2020. (gasps) Awesome. So let's go ahead and listen to that now. Hey, this is Claire from Fictional Hangover Podcast. I want to tell you about my movie of the year. There haven't been many opportunities to go to the cinema this year, but back in January, I got the chance to see Giorgio Rabbit, the winner of the 2020 Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay and was nominated for Best Picture as well. Giorgio Rabbit is based on the book Caging Skies by Christine Linnens. It is written, directed and starring one of my favourite creative talents, Taikai Waititi. Taikai is joined by Sam Rockwell, Alfie Allen, Stephen Merchant, Rebel Wilson, Scarlett Johansson and a whole talented cast to bring this black comedy to life. Set in World War II, it follows German boy Giorgio, played wonderfully by Roman Griffin Davis, as he discovers his mother has been hiding Elsa, a young Jewish girl played by Thomasin Mackenzie. Giorgio is guided by his imaginary friend Adolf Hitler and must navigate the blind nationalism he is subjected to as part of Hitler's youth. Giorgio needs to discover that people are more than just labels and should be judged by their actions, that being a parent is hard, that they must make sacrifices for their children to have a better world. I'm not usually a fan of war movies, but this one is different. Told from Giorgio's perspective, we see how hate is something that is taught, but it is possible to unlearn. It's a satirical anti-hate message and something the world really needs. As a cinema experience, it was wonderful to be surrounded by fellow moviegoers who laughed aloud, cringed and delighted in the antics on screen. I don't know that anyone else other than Taikai Waititi could have made Giorgio Rabbit. If Taikai is in some way associated with a project, my interest is piqued. I highly recommend this movie. It is a heartwarming message and it's told in a fun and honest way. That was so great to hear from Claire. It was. So when uh, when I first asked Claire about submitting her favorite movie of 2020, like she was like a little bit worried that Jojo Rabbit wouldn't count because it came out in 2019 in the U.S. But I was like, you know, like if that's your favorite movie that you saw in 2020, yeah. I think it came out. I think it, it must've come out um, later um, in the UK where she lives. So sure. like, no, that still counts. You no, can do Jojo that's... Rabbit. So even though like, I mean, if Jojo Rabbit had come out in 2020, I'm sure it would be receiving an award from us today. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's still on my list. I forgot about that movie. I really super wanted to see it. And then I have not yet. So I will watch it like Aww. tonight. Yeah. 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 
definitely. It's really good. Yeah. I love it. Let's also hear from our friend Ayana about her favorite movie. Hey, this is Ayana from the Vintage Guidebook, and my favorite movie of 2020 was the remake of the Emma adaptation, uh, titled for the book by Jane Austen by the same name. And I think it had to be my absolute favorite because it was so spot on in terms of the story of Emma, which is a story of young, uh, headstrong <laughs> uh, surety. And I think that this version captured that the best, probably because all of the actors were a lot younger than we've seen in previous adaptations. And I think that made a huge difference. And uh, I, I think it definitely came out in the film. The costumes were beautiful, the sound was beautiful, uh, the music. And I think all around, it was a wonderful film and pretty loyal adaptation. Ayana brings up such a good point that the characters were the correct age in this, um, yeah. which <laughs> was really nice to see. And it's unfortunately not a luxury we get very often. Right. <laughs> right. And I think that it really like helps like drive home the idea that like these characters are so young like they're yeah. just at like the beginning of of their adulthood um Emma's Emma's mistakes make a lot more sense when we consider her right. age <laughs> yeah she's she's 21 years old like yeah what, like uh, we were we're all stupid when we're 21 years old like <laughs> and when you know yeah. when when you live in the heightened privilege that Emma has had um, yeah, has been given, you know, she's going to be, she's going to make those decisions maybe more so than someone else might. Indeed. <laughs> Emma. <laughs> Emma. Emma. A good Emma. movie. <laughs> good movie. I know when I think of what I enjoyed about Emma, I also really enjoyed the score to it. I really liked the music yeah, that they it was beautiful that they created for it. And I think it really set the tone, especially, I don't know, I think it's so classic to Jane Austen, those scenes of young girls being asked to play the piano for a <laughs> living room full of people. Um, or so, just being like intensely jealous of someone else who is playing the piano. <laughs> right. Or trying very hard to play the piano well and wanting the whole party to enjoy the piano and then no one likes it. Right. I'm thinking of a certain Jane Austen character from Pride and Prejudice who tried very yeah, hard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mary Bennett. Aw. She tried, though. She really tried. She really did. Yeah, and I think another thing that's great about the Emma score is that it uses, like, these English folk songs that sound very like sound very folksy like for lack of a better word right. because like that's that's you know the music that like the you know like the common working class people would be familiar with you know we think of like the like the classical you know piano pieces from that time but right. that was mostly like the upper class wealthy people who were familiar with that music yeah. so you know for like you know for people who were middle class or lower class they would have you know they would have had these folk songs that would be passed down like 
throughout the generations. And I loved that that Isabel Waller-Bridge and David Schweitzer incorporated that into the soundtrack for Emma. Um, and there were different... There were different artists, different performers who actually recorded those songs for the Emma soundtrack. Um, But yeah, I thought that was so beautiful. But to introduce our best score category, we have another friend. Rhonda, we have so many friends. We're so lucky. We have so many friends. It's amazing. Hey, everyone. This is Luthien of Girls with Sabres. Best score is a category that is very dear to me because music is absolutely essential in helping to create any piece of media. From films to television to documentaries, musical scores help the viewer feel each scene and experience something visuals alone cannot create. The music is our emotions. Here are the nominees for best score. Isabel Waller-Bridge and David Schweitzer, Emma. Lin-Manuel Miranda, Hamilton, Marco Beltrami, Underwater, Dan Romer, Wendy, and Terrence Blanchard, The Five Bloods. And the poppy goes to Lin-Manuel Miranda for Hamilton. Yay! <laughs> you know, this, is an, this is an interesting one because the, I don't know if you saw, but the Hamilton film it was decided is not eligible for the Oscars. Yeah, I saw that. Um, but we decided that it is eligible for the poppies. Yes. So <laughs> and that is what has won because you voted on it, listeners. So congratulations. <laughs> you made the correct choice. I mean, but I'm yeah, not I mean, biased. This, it is a great, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a good score. <laughs> it was real good. Yeah. I don't know. I, I read that whole thing about how it's not eligible. I don't know. Sometimes I right. think these eligibility requirements are just an excuse to say no, but okay, whatever. Because they knew that it, they know that it would sweep the awards if it was eligible. That's And can't why. we just be excited about someone who's good at making things but okay (laughs) whatever someone who's good at making things (laughs) yeah i like that yeah yeah (laughs) um but you know solid choice solid win hamilton good job job. good job good job (laughs) let's move on to another important artistic aspect of film costumes so important we just, I just went on a rant about Hamilton's costumes. Yes. <laughs> in our, in one of our Hamilton episodes. <laughs> and, you know, I think what's interesting is like, when we think of like, good costume design in movies, like we almost always think of like, historical movies, or like fantasy. Right. You know, like, like, costumes that have like that have to be like created from scratch or you know that have to be made um rather than like contemporary movies where people are you know just wearing clothes that you know you could buy in a store but right. <laughs> but uh but I think that there's a lot that goes into contemporary costume design too that we don't always think about I think like the Devil Wears Prada has amazing costume design. Right. But it's all like modern, you know, contemporary clothing. And I think 
there's also been that argument that like, oh, what did they do? They just for some other costuming, uh, for costuming for some other movies. There's that argument that I've heard that I disagree with, where people are like, oh, they just threw like jeans and a shirt on her. Yes, because that made sense for her character. You know, mm-hmm. like I think it's interesting. Why how... those jeans? Why that shirt? Right. Like how how easy we are to dismiss the work of other people. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if it if we can't see the artistry in it, then there must not be any artistry there, which is just such a mistake. But I digress. I guess I don't digress, but I feel like I could go on a TED talk about that. So all but one of these nominees are historical costuming. Um, but the one that is not is a movie that we both love. Yeah. Birds of Prey. <laughs> I loved, I think I voted for Birds of Prey for this category <laughs> because I love, they build the world, they, they build the pop gummy world of the comic book so well mm-hmm. with the costumes. Like, yeah. And they're like, they're whimsical and they're colorful. Yeah. And they, you know, they fit with the stylized set design of that movie. Yeah, they're really, they're really fun. They inform us about their characters as well. And that's what great costuming does is it informs mm-hmm. us about these characters. And it also all has to look like it makes sense together, right? So why is this person wearing this next to this person who's wearing this? Could they get, like in the case of Birds of Prey, could they both get these clothes in the same shops that they both shop at because they both live in this town? That kind of thing, um, that cohesion has to be there as well. Well, let's go ahead and have Ayana come back and introduce the best costume category. Hey, this is Ayana from the Vintage Guidebook, and the best costumes category is so important to me because as someone who sews and someone who has an interest in historical fashion across eras, I think clothing is so important to the way that we tell stories, the way that we show who characters are, um, the way that we show development in ourselves and in fiction. So I truly believe that clothes tell a story no matter what time period they're in. And with that said, the nominees for Best Costume are... Alexandra Byrne, Emma. Jenny Beaven, Doolittle. Consolata Boyle, Enola Holmes. Paul Taswell, Hamilton. And Aaron Benock, Birds of Prey. And the winner is Alexandra Byrne, Emma. That's what I voted for. (laughs) Yay. Yeah, I mean, I honestly like no shade to the other (laughs) costumers, but like Alexandra Byrne went above and beyond with Emma. Like there were so many pieces that were like, inspired by or even like direct reproductions of extant historical garments and they're just so perfectly detailed and beautiful and yes like yes immaculate oh my goodness they were so yeah like I don't know I was just blown away by how the costumes matched with the sets and how the entire thing just became this larger Mm -hmm. spectacle my goodness and how they were just like 
such perfect expressions of the characters. Like you could look at the character, just look at their costume and you knew what you knew everything you needed to know about the character just from their clothes. It was, yeah, like that's exactly how costume design should be. It's perfect. That's another one I have to rewatch. I haven't seen that since, since Mm -hmm. I first saw it. So I gotta (laughs) kind of take another look. I would, yeah, I think that might be what I'm going to rewatch tonight. <laughs> I think we should talk about an award that we just decided that we're going to give. It's important to us. Very important. This is the Bechtel Wallace Award. And it is, of course, named after the Bechtel Wallace test, which is a metric that requires that two named female characters exchange at least two lines of dialogue that are not about a man. Doesn't sound like a lot to ask, but you'd be surprised. It doesn't sound like, yeah, it's it's an extremely low bar. But you know, I am happy to see that there's a pretty hefty list of 2020 movies that pass the test. That's not to say that all of these movies are like feminist manifestos. Certainly not. <laughs> but but they all pass this extremely low <laughs> bar. <laughs> I mean, you've got Mariah Carey's Magical Christmas Special. Yep. <laughs> you've got Trolls World Tour passing the Bechdel test. That one surprises <laughs> me a little bit. <laughs> And then you also have things like Happiest Season, which deal directly with um, kind of gender and identity. And so, of right. course, they've prob- yeah. they go above and beyond our Bechdel test. Well, and that's, um, that's interesting that you bring up Happiest Season because like the Bechdel Wallace or the Bechdel test was not originally intended to be like a, you know, like a serious... Um, media metric. Um, it was a uh, Alison Bechtel is a cartoonist, and she drew this cartoon in the I think in like the late '80s, and it was basically as a way to express how lesbian women and other queer people would sort of like look for representation of themselves in media, which you know back in the '80s, like it wasn't right. there at all. And so she said, like, well, if there are two women and they're talking to each other and they're not talking about a man, then it's possible that, you know, they they could identify similarly right. to me. That was kind of the idea. Um, so that's interesting that you bring up Happiest Season because, yes, that is like exactly what um, the Bechdel test was was trying to uh I guess, like, project, but, like, not, like, in a negative way, but, like, that's what the Bechdel test is projecting. Well, Um, that's super (laughs) neat. I just will pretend like I knew that and planted that, but really, I just wanted to talk about happiest season. Whenever I see it on a list, I'm like, happiest season. Did you like it? I loved it. Okay, interesting. I yeah, I really I appreciated I appreciated how it told the story like 
I think it told a lot about a character who was figuring out where in their lives they need to grow without having maybe realized it before. And I also really appreciate just the depiction of what it is to grow up bisexual in a small town. I thought that did a really good job. Like Mm, the decisions you, so like the decisions you make to hide that part of yourself and how those come out later as an adult and maybe weren't your finest moment. I think those are some really um, unique stories. And I, I felt like it did it. It just told the story um, of, of that kind of small town bisexuality or um, identifying as homosexual um, or however you identify um, in a small town. And then you got movies like the prom where um, <laughs> they pretended like they were going to have that discussion. And then we really just heard from four <laughs> middle-aged Broadway actors for four hours, um, not four hours. Didn't. But... <laughs> yeah. So I appreciated yeah, th- that it was authentic to the identifying as bisexual in a very small town and then kind of having people find out the decisions you made when you were younger and kind of seeing them in a new light, I guess. Yeah, I think what I appreciate about Happiest Season is that not identifying with those identities. So, of course, I can't like speak, you know, authoritatively to that representation but I think like the general um, achievement of it is that it's it just kind of helped normalize you know took one step forward in normalizing seeing gay or queer relationships on the screen and having it you know just be normal you know Um, I think that you know like I personally felt like the movie was just kind of okay, but there should be space for okay movies that represent marginalized identities. You know what I mean? Right. So absolutely. like, <laughs> like it, I think we, you know, kind of have the tendency to like expect movies that are kind of like, that kind of represent like this big leap forward for representation we put all of our hopes and dreams on them and we're like this needs to be an amazing movie when it should be okay for them to just be okay you know yeah (laughs) Um, so I think that's kind of where I saw it fitting in I appreciated seeing queer characters be be flawed I think sometimes like the relationship would have to be perfect in order for it to be told like look Mm -hmm. how perfect this bisexual or lesbian relationship is they can do no wrong they're on a paragon because we need to show that lesbians are good people and like (laughs) that's not really what we're what we need you know um yeah we need in the same way that we need movies about this that are just okay we also need couple we need couples that are flawed Mm -hmm. that's what i appreciated about it i also (laughs) i i watched it like i think the the day it came out in my quiet home alone like texting friends but um who are watching with me which was really great but i was feeling like oh i'm alone for christmas and this is really sad so it was kind of my like (laughs) emotional support movie in a lot of ways yeah yeah um so you know what other movie passed the Bechdel test from 2020? Zombies 2. 
<laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I've never even heard of it, but, you know, it passed the Bechdel test. So, like, if Zombies 2 can pass the Bechdel test, why can't Tenet? Yeah, really. What is wrong with you, Christopher Nolan? <laughs> you couldn't give us two sentences? Really? Right, it's not that hard. <laughs> no. Do we want to talk about movies that didn't pass, or is that just going to depress us? <laughs> I think we could. I'm shocked that Sonic passed. Good for Sonic. <laughs> hey, Sonic. Good for you. Nice, Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a bummer the witches doesn't pass. Yeah, you know, I think that was one that was, like, debated. So okay. I'm getting the this list from um, BechdelTest.com, which... Um, has crowdsourced ratings on whether or not movies pass the test. So that okay. one was one that was, I think, debated. Like there was some kind of like vagueness around one of the criteria of the test. I don't remember exactly which one, but yeah. So okay. that one's like a, that one's like a, maybe an asterisk one. Um, okay. I, the witch's original was like my first horror movie, so I haven't seen the new one yet because it's in I don't my think mind it's a horror movie, is it? The witches when you're based... a kid it is though. Oh, oh maybe. <laughs> like the rolled doll. Yeah, story. that movie the one with Angelica Houston scared the everything oh, out of I me. Didn't I was even so know scared. There was one with Angelica Houston. Oh, it's so scary. They get turned into, I like, it's the same story, but um, it's just, it's creepy. I would oh, recommend it. It's super okay. scary. <laughs> yeah, you know, Roll Doll, it, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this took a turn I was not expecting. <laughs> Should we move on? I suppose. Okay. Ooh, this next award is fantastic. It is. Yeah. And it has a great name, too. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Dorothy Everton Smythe, Woman of the Year Award. So this is an award that will be awarded <laughs> <laughs> to a woman or non-binary filmmaker, writer, director, producer, or studio executive who we feel was influential and or inspirational in the world of film in 2020. And this was a hard one to pick because there it were was. so, just so many. I think I really like who we chose, though. Like, I think this is a good choice. Me too. And this is very, I think, very representative of of where film is hopefully heading. <laughs> yes. This person directed one of our favorite movies of 2020. Yeah. Did some did some really phenomenal world building there. Really created mm -hmm. just an incredible world for the characters to live in. And I think it's even more incredible that this was only her second feature film. Yeah. And she nailed it. 
Yeah, I hadn't. Re- I had assumed when I first saw the movie, I had assumed she, you know, had been doing this for years right. and years and years. Yeah. So, yeah. so we are talking about the director of Birds of Prey, the winner of the Pop DNA Dorothy Everton Smythe Woman of the Year Award for 2020. Kathy Yan. Kathy Yan is a Chinese-born American film director, screenwriter, and producer. Her first film was the comedy drama film Dead Pigs from 2018. And then, like we said, her second film was Birds of Prey. And, like, Harley Quinn is not an easy character to represent either, right? You, like, I almost held off on watching Birds of Prey because I was so worried about how she would be represented. And I'm so tired of like mental illness being the excuse for bad behavior and things Mm. like that. And I just, I thought that Harley's reasoning was so well represented and just like her characterization within the movie as a whole, I never felt like it was exploiting mental illness, Mm. which was something I was really concerned about. And I think that's a lot to do with um, the direction, of course. Definitely. Yeah. That's where those decisions are made. And that understanding of the character is so vital to um, the, Yan's work. And I just think she did a beautiful job. Definitely. And I am very much looking forward to the the future films that she will make. Me too. And I have to go see Dead Pigs. I haven't seen it. I'll have to check yeah. that out. Yeah, I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. So, fun fact about Kathy Yan, she was the second woman and the first Asian woman to direct a DC film or any United States-produced superhero film. Wow. Of course, the first woman to direct a superhero and DC film being Patty Jenkins. Sure, yeah. The goddess. (laughs) the amazing yeah but i think this kind of leads really well into our next little discussion here which genre genre or genres really stood out to us as having good films in 2020 hmm i know the first ones that i kind of think of are like The quirky indie films, I think, had a really good year this year. Mm -hmm. Just like, and I, I I also think that that horror had an excellent year just because it kind of fits. You can kind of include quirkiness and like indie principles into horror film um, really well. So I think horror overall did did a pretty, had a pretty strong year this year. It did. Yeah. Yeah, there were several um several really well-made horror films this in 2020. Maybe that's because now I'm allowing myself to go see them <laughs> that I noticed them this year, but I did. I noticed sure. them. Um, you know, I think this is um this is becoming more and more true every year, but I think 2020 was a good year for franchise movies. Yeah, absolutely. Sequels aren't always great. Franchise movies aren't always great. (laughs) But the ones we got in 2020, I think, on the whole, were pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. 
on the whole, we're not terrible. Good we're job, not guys. terrible, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is all you can really ask for a movie in a pandemic year. <laughs> yeah. It was supposed to be a huge year for musical theater, and that did not happen. And it was not. In, <laughs> in the Heights and West Side Story both got put on the waiting list i mean rightfully so i i need the in the heights the movie to be perfect so mm, sure um well i think I was it's like, kind of like isn't it like done they just didn't release it because theaters weren't open yeah like it had it's a just... release date set and then i also read that lin-manuel miranda wasn't able to get the um some of the orchestrations and some of the musical Uh, um, aspects he lost time on that and I think they were scheduled to maybe re-record a few of the songs and kind of perfect them Um, and I think I read that that was one of the last things that otherwise um, it's pretty done yeah okay okay well we'll see it eventually (laughs) I will see it. So it was also supposed to come out on my birthday month. I was just Aww. like, obviously, my friends and I will go to the theater <laughs> and see In the Heights in the in the theaters. But that did not happen. It did it. not. But it's okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it does come out, we can pretend it's your birthday. Yeah. And go see it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> what other genres um, stuck out to you, Rhonda? You know, I think it was, uh, I think it was a good year for just like straight up, like hero heroines journey stories. Yeah. Just like in the real world. Um, you know, I think like, you know, I think like objectively it was kind of like a an okay movie but i really enjoyed the high note it's oh stars, i wanted to see that one yeah. yeah it stars tracy ellis ross and dakota johnson and it's a pretty like classic heroine's journey story and i really enjoyed it it's always good to see a heroine's journey done well i really mm. appreciate it i've seen a few yeah badly done ones so it's oh, nice yes. to see one that that gets well gets some tender love and care to it <laughs> well are we ready to uh do these next three awards Ooh, should we i think think i'm ready are you ready yeah, i'm definitely ready so let's uh hear from our friend amanda Hey, this is Amanda from Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. Horror movies have always been my favorite. There's something about experiencing the rush of a roller coaster ride, the anxiety and adrenaline of it, right in your own home or at your favorite movie theater, where you feel safe and in control. Horror is pretty much the only genre of film that can cross into other genres without missing a beat. There can be horror in everything. Comedies, historical dramas, science fiction, even musicals. It has no limits. Where one thing might be terrifying to someone, it can be hilarious to someone else, and that's part of the reason why I love them so much. Snuggle up with your favorite people or get comfy all by yourself and enjoy a good scare. The nominations for this category are 
The Invisible Man, La Llorona, Relic, Sputnik, St. Maud, and Blood Quantum. And the poppy goes to The Invisible Man. Rhonda, I... I love that we saw this movie together, uh-huh. but I love, like, obviously I love Elizabeth Moss, mm-hmm. but I just, I so enjoyed this movie. I mean, I can't really, like, I don't know if it was necessarily, like, the best written or whatever, but I enjoyed it start to finish. I really, um, and I really enjoyed the relationship building, um, and I got good and spooked. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. I always like I always like if if there's okay. So if I'm gonna watch a horror movie, I want there to be a purpose behind the horror and not just totally. like, you know, not just like scary things just for shock value or whatever. <laughs> like I want there to be a reason why these scary things are happening maybe not within like the world of the movie but like the intention behind the storytelling like there needs to be intention behind why like scary things are happening and so and I think with, with the invisible man it did that so well and I think that's why I personally like thought that the invisible man was the best horror movie that I saw yeah. in 2020. So yeah. And I saw a few, I, not, not a lot, but I saw a few and I think, yeah, that one really stood out to me. So good job voters. Yeah, you were correct. <laughs> um, without giving any spoilers, just in general, I like how the main villain really infiltrated her mental and physical space mm-hmm. in ways that were surprising and innovative and, and new yeah, I really appreciate And, like, there were some twists and turns as well that I wasn't expecting. I think sometimes with horror, you can almost guess what's going to happen next and kind of prep yourself for it. At least maybe some people aren't as anxious as me. But I like, okay, obviously the screen, like, the screenwriter is setting me up for a scare <laughs> here. I can tell. I've learned the the, like, signs or whatever. But in this, I was genuinely shocked, and I really appreciated it. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Are we ready to do best historical or biographical? Yeah. All right. Well, let's hear from our friend Kina. Hi, friends. This is Kina from the Historical AF Podcast. As a historian, my job is to make sense of the past so we have a better understanding of the worlds we live in. History can help us find identity through our ancestors and cultures. It can help us grasp the causes of changes in society and help us identify the elements that persist regardless of what happens. It can highlight the people who have changed the world forever, and it can help us prepare for the future. History, well told, is beautiful. Like a good movie, it tells a story that can be funny, sad, morbid, inspiring, and enlightening. So you know your girl loves this category. Here are the nominees for Best Historical Biopic Movie. Shirley, Mulan, Radioactive, Stardust, Resistance, and Tesla. And the winner is Shirley. 
Wow, I did not see this coming. I know. Another Elizabeth Moss led. It's almost like we like her yeah, or something. And, I don't know. But I mean, we like people could have voted for a different movie. Like No, they couldn't. They, did they went it. to each of their homes. Like, yeah, we nominated two Elizabeth Moss movies, but people besides us voted for them. So <laughs> I feel like that's validating. <laughs> I had Without your knowledge, I installed the um, the voting booths from Parks and Rec with the mm. Sweetums logo gotcha. on them, okay. where the were the they... baby cries every time you pick are they, the wrong uh, one. Or are they Dominion voting machines? <laughs> yes. <laughs> from Hugo Chavez? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, it makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. So I... I made these decisions. Okay. Okay. Now it makes sense. <laughs> no, yeah. but I think Shirley is such an interesting choice because it is, I mean, like by like the very loosest definition, it's a biopic, but it's not a typical biopic, which I think is right. so interesting. Like it's not even like, it's not even things that necessarily happened in reality to Shirley Jackson. It's, it, oh, right. yeah. So it's a really interesting way of interpreting a biopic. Yeah. It's a way, it's a cool way to kind of fuse her work with her life. Yeah. Right. I just, yeah. I thought it was so neat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, now I feel like I need to watch it again, man. I know. It's so good. I mean, actually, I, watch- I enjoyed all of the movies in this category. Um, well, Mulan was eh, but but all the other movies in this yeah. category, I think, were you know, good. Uh, they they gave us what we want from historical movies or biopics. So, sure, surely, yeah. surely deserves deserves the win. Well deserved. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love. I just love Shirley Jackson. She's I a know cool you person. do. <laughs> I just love her. If my cat had been a girl, we might have named her Shirley Jackson. Mm. Actually, probably not. That probably would have been real weird. But you know what? That's fine. Shall we jump to our other category here? Ooh, what's the next category? This is one of my favorite of our categories because it's something that can go really well. (laughs) And can go really terribly. Mm. And of course, this is the category of best sequel or franchise film. Ooh. We got some pretty good sequels this year, and we got some... Um, some amazing sequels this year. Some really interesting <laughs> returns to the stage after a very, very, very long time. Looking at you, Bill and Ted. Um <laughs> And of course, we also got a continuation of the Princess Switch universe, which is always fantastic. Much needed, much needed indeed. It's always nice to go back and visit the Christmas decorations. Mm -hmm. It's good. We got our friend Kristen to introduce this one. Hello, everybody. It is Kristen Barros here from Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know and Elvis Lives, a conspiracy theory podcast, here to bring you the nominees for Best Sequel or Franchise. I love this category because I'm a geek and I love a good franchise. Harry Potter, Marvel, Doctor Who, you name it, I'm for it. And look, 
I'm not gonna lie, sequels are like a guilty pleasure because they're usually a little trash and I am a massive fan of trash cinema. Now, the nominees for best sequel or franchise are Bill and Ted Face the Music, The Kingsman, Trolls World Tour, The Princess Switch Switched Again, Wonder Woman 1984, Birds of Prey, and to all the boys, P.S. I still love you. And the poppy goes to... No surprise here, folks. It's Birds of Prey. Yay! Again, yes, we nominated it, but you voted. <laughs> you picked it. You picked it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've already talked about Birds of Prey, but like, I don't know if there's anything more that we need to say about it like just go watch it just go watch the movie go watch yeah. it yeah that's it i just and some of some of the sequels on this list were a little disappointing like i loved the original to all the boys um to all the boys i loved before and i think because i loved the first one too much it hit that classic second film snag for sure. me a little bit yeah and, you know, I, with that one, like, I felt like, I don't know, I know it's based on a book and they kind of had to follow the general plot of the book, but I thought that it should have ended differently <laughs> than it did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, she should have ended up with a different boy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm glad you agree. <laughs> Or the lesson could have been, let's be on our own. Or with no boy. I, yeah. With yeah. no boy. That would have been great, too. I'm super biased about that, but I really care about <laughs> telling stories where the woman winds up strong and, like, independent at the end at yeah. these ages. At Especially this age. when she's 17. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, like, not. Yeah. Like, I'm obviously pro-romance and pro-coupling and all of that. <laughs> But she's so young, and I would have liked for the message to have been, that was a great moment in my life, and now I'm going to move on to my future, or whatever, right. you know? Right. <laughs> and, you know, I kind of felt a similar thing. I don't know if you've watched Wonder Woman 1984 yet, but I kind of felt a similar thing, uh, or theme, I guess, um, Yeah. in that. Um, I felt like, you know... She has been, like, pining after this one guy for 80 years. Like, <laughs> she hasn't she hasn't done anything because she misses her dead boyfriend. Like, I don't. Yeah, right. it was. Anyway, that's not what yeah. we're talking about no, right now. I, um, <laughs> I th also, I think that's a common theme in a lot of um, stories with strong female leads is that sometimes... And again, I'm not I'm not anti-romance, but I do think that sometimes their story gets lost in their romance a little bit. Let's hear from a couple more friends about Yay. their favorite movies. Hey, this is Amanda from Fictional Hangover again. My favorite movie of 2020 was Guns Akimbo. And yeah, it started in festivals in 2019 but it made its debut in 2020, so I'm counting it. 
Guns Akimbo, featuring Daniel Radcliffe and Samara Weaving, is a dark and violent action comedy about a nerdy video game developer who pisses off the wrong internet troll, who, in retaliation, breaks into his house and bolts guns to his hands to force him to compete in a real-life online deathmatch. It's over-the-top, gory, and ridiculous. I mean, what's not to love about Daniel Radcliffe awkwardly trying to survive with guns for hands? You know, (laughs) something I really appreciate about life after Harry Potter is Daniel Radcliffe's choices of projects. (laughs) This guy might actually be cool. He doesn't need the money, so he's just doing whatever the heck he wants. I'm a little obsessed (laughs) with him. He did Swiss Army Man. (laughs) He did this movie. He starred in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, a 50s musical on Broadway. Like, Uh (laughs) his career choices are so interesting, and I'm a little bit obsessed. I think he might be kind of a cool guy. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I haven't seen Guns Akimbo, but I remember seeing a trailer for it and being like, what the heck is this? So now I feel like now I feel like I need to watch that. Wow, I have so many movies to watch now. I know this is like all I'm going to be doing, which I mean, Mm -hmm. lucky me. Just watch a bunch of movies. (laughs) Um, We have one more friend who told us about their favorite movie. And it's our friend Lizzie. Ah, Lizzie, Ah. hi. All right, let's hear from Lizzie. My favorite film from 2020 was The Old Guard, which I watched expecting to uh, to just think it was ridiculous. And you know what? It is. Um, I wasn't surprised after the fact when I learned that it was based on a comic book. Um, But the performances were just so... Their hearts were in it, and I'll watch anything with Charlize Theron, and the the very realistic queer romance that's depicted, um, and and the fact that that was taken wholesale from the from the source material, uh, was really really excellent. So I I loved it. I watched it twice, um, and I was so pleased that this weird little gem showed up on Netflix uh, in the middle of a time that I really needed something fun and um full of heart and a lot of really great action so yeah the old guard was definitely my favorite film from this year oh lizzie lizzie hi lizzie we miss you we miss you you need to come on the show oh that'd be so fun it would that's another movie i haven't seen yet oh maybe i've never seen a movie it's really good it's really fun yes Go watch The Old Guard, Aaron. What are you waiting for? I get so caught up in rewatching the same TV over and over and over. I forget that there's like new things. Are you Andy Samberg in Palm Springs? Oh, no. (laughs) Maybe I am. I'm just finding out. (laughs) Shoot. Who do I call? Do I? Ghostbusters. Okay. Oh, of course. (laughs) Of course. I'm sorry. That was a little on the nose. I have Kate McKinnon on speed dial. I'll call oh, her. good. Yes, as you should. Mm-hmm. As you should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Kate McKinnon, if you're listening. Hi, Kate. <laughs> oh, she's here. She's right next oh. to me. Yeah. Oh, nice. Is that what yeah. you named your cat? 
I just have like 20 cats that are all named after my favorite celebrities. Uh huh. That's the way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, Kate McKinnon's a great performer. She is. We saw a lot of great performances in 2020. We did. Do you like My that goodness. transition there? I loved it. Yeah. And this is a really tough, I think we had a tough time like narrowing down this category. And we still have yeah. like a lot of, <laughs> we have a lot of nominees in this category. <laughs> we have so many nominees and they're, they're all from movies that we love. <laughs> they're like all over the place too. Like, yeah. As far as like the genre and the types of of movies but i think that's good (laughs) yeah so should we go ahead and have our friend introduce the category i think we ought to hi there this is jared hately from that random podcast and i'm here to present best performance this category has such amazing nominees for such amazing roles from kate blanchett in carol to philip seymour hoffman in the master these are the performances that will stay with us forever and that's exactly what these nominees have done so without further ado here are the nominees for best performance margot robbie birds of prey ewan mcgregor birds of prey elizabeth moss shirley Storm Reed, The Invisible Man, Leslie Odom Jr., Hamilton, Philippa Sue, Hamilton, and Andy Samberg, Palm Springs. And the poppy goes to Leslie Odom Jr. for Hamilton. Woohoo! Ah! Yeah, Hamilton! Aaron Burr, sir. <laughs> Aaron Burr, sir. This man. Has a voice that made me enjoy an insurance commercial. Can we just... (laughs) Leslie Odom Jr. is phenomenal. Um, And specifically, in this role, I think he takes Aaron Burr um, to all of his... um, Throughout his character arc in a really masterful way. You can really see psychologically what is happening to to burr as he moves throughout the um throughout the story and then the ramifications of his actions play so well on his face and on his actions as well um i just thought this performance was masterful while also singing with technical brilliance and Mm -hmm. dancing and i just i loved him in this yeah yeah it's great when you can see you know like He's essentially Aaron Burr is like an antagonist character, but he also like you also relate to him. You also feel for him and like understand why he makes the choices that he makes. And yeah, it's just such a great performance. I understand Burr more so than I do Hamilton. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Honestly, Hamilton's a, a bit of a... He's a bit of a Hamlet. He's a bit of a Hamlet. <laughs> uh-huh. but, but you know how I feel about Hamilton, winky face. Or Hamlet, winky yeah. face. <laughs> you do like Hamlet. Yeah, I just... Um, and, you know, this might be unfair to say because this is the only um, play on here. But there's something about bringing that brilliance and that nuanced performance, not, like, night after night. My goodness. I just... That's so inspiring and amazing. And, you know, 
a lot of these performances were phenomenal. Like, the, mm-hmm. there's not one person on this list who I don't think would have deserved it also. You know, like, right. it was a really, yeah. a really strong, strong category. category. Oh, jinx. Ooh. Jinx again. Our so. mental synchronization <laughs> can have but one explanation. Do not. Okay. I guess I loved it. That. That's no, fine. no, I was, I was loving it. <sighs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to do a little bit of a downer now, I guess. Mm-hmm. You say it. You do it. <laughs> Fine. So we're talking a lot about some really wonderful movies. And then there were the ones that were disappointing in mm. 2020. The movies mm. that we were excited about, that we were kind of counting down the days to see and then you get there and maybe you know sometimes maybe it's because of that hype because of that excitement Mm -hmm. you get there and you watch the thing and then you're like huh (laughs) so that was that was that was the thing yeah okay (laughs) i guess i guess that was it then um yeah okay (laughs) did you have any movies of 2020 that felt a little bit like a letdown Yeah, you know, I already talked a little bit about Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. And, you know, there were things that I liked about it, but I think that the the difficult thing about Wonder Woman, about, you know, making a Wonder Woman movie, especially with how she was introduced in this cinematic universe is that you kind of have to explain why the world doesn't know about wonder woman sure because you know she's been around since world war one so why you know hasn't she like saved people you know like why don't people know about her i guess like maybe she has saved people but why don't people know about her Um, yeah and so i think that the way that 1984 explained it is that she's been kind of in hiding this whole time which like I don't know um yeah I don't know I just felt like she I felt for Diana like I felt for the kind of emotional arc that that was there but I didn't feel like there was enough there if that makes sense yeah Like she, so she's spent, you know, these decades like mourning Steve basically, but like she hasn't like, she's just been kind of stagnant this whole time. I don't know. It just felt a little bit, I was just kind of, yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I buy that. After like the heartbreak we see in the first movie is her learning that there are evils in the world and that right. people are hurting yeah. each other. And also like this the separation from her mother and from her home. Of course. Her community. And yet that never comes up in 1984. Right. Even though we got, you know, we got that great scene at the beginning on the mascara when she's a little girl and she goes through the, through the like Amazon Olympics or whatever that was. Um, (laughs) Like, and that was, you know, such a great, great to see Robin Wright again. Yeah. Um, So like, I thought that whole opening sequence was so great. And 
like it felt like that was setting up what the theme of the rest of the movie was going to be. And right. I think it was intended to, but it it didn't match up. Like it didn't it didn't yeah. really pay off in in the movie. So yeah, I'm I mean, like I said, like there were things that I liked about it. I think it was, you know, like all things considered it was an okay movie, but just I felt a little let down. <laughs> yeah, it hit that that sequel slump. The sequel slump. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, yeah. What about you? What movies disappointed you? So one I was on here talking about, I think last, sometime last year, I was very excited about Onward. I am mm. a Pixar obsessor. I love it <laughs> so much. I think that there is a heart and a warmth to the characters, but then there's also an emotional depth. And it'll Pixar is a place that allows our young children to process big emotions and to process larger tragedies that happen to our children, like the loss of a parent or like these huge losses that you have to mitigate as a very young person. And I think that that's, well, also having joy and humor and witticism and all of this stuff. And I could talk forever about Pixar. <laughs> and Onward was something I should have been a slam dunk for me. Mm. It dealt with uh, mythological creatures that you find in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. <laughs> it, you know, it plays with kind of nerd culture and like all of this stuff that should have been just a hit for me. And I... I think I fell asleep during it. I don't, I don't know. I think, and all the elements were there. The characters were kind of working through the loss of a parent who then comes back um, in the form of like these magical. And I think, I think it was too whimsical. The, Mm. the lost parent comes back in the form of a pair of pants. Mm. And. Oh yeah. Classic. I, f- I really felt like the the magic was so cool that got the parent's soul back into the universe. And then he only gets 24 hours to be with his boys. And then it was really frustrating to me that he could not contact make contact with them when he was right in the room. That mm. felt, and it never really got a payout. Like, it felt like traumatic a little bit that they got that far and then they still had to work to like make connection um and it it just felt like pants were too whimsical for that Mm -hmm. heightened of a loss Uh (laughs) so i was a little little bummed there i don't know and i like i've recently rewatched all of the other pixar movies with our friend nicole um hi nicole (laughs) hi nicole and Because I was kind of wondering, like, well, am I just too old for a Pixar movie now? But no, the other ones hold up. The other ones, like, have that depth of meaning and whimsy in kind of proportions that make sense. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just felt like Onward didn't. And then I already talked about my other choice, but the prom. Yeah. I am this movie's demographic. Right. (laughs) And And I just, I felt like the emphasis was put on the four washed up Broadway actors and not Mm -hmm. you never got to grow you get you never got to meet the two girls as lovers really they Mm -hmm. got a song but you never really got to meet them and like why their relationship was so special and the biggest best voice in it Ariana DeBose like 
barely got any screen time and she's a phenomenal dancer and she didn't really get to showcase any of that at all um i just felt like obviously the two girls should have been the forefront of that discussion and i didn't need once they got to be once they got to be the the forefront i didn't need the whole thing to be one of the girls and nicole kidman figuring it out i needed (laughs) it to be the two girls figuring it out yeah so yeah yeah Yeah. and also just why was james corden in this movie i I know why was he there like that could have been stanley tucci of course and yeah i think that would have improved the movie by at least 45 (laughs) percent yeah (laughs) because like stanley tucci and meryl streep together is like gold gold so why didn't they cast stanley tucci instead of james gordon there were moments where Meryl Streep saved the movie for me because everyone else mm. was falling so flat performance wise and they wouldn't let me like hang out with the lovers because I guess that's not the point of the movie, except it oh, totally okay. is. But then Meryl Streep kind of saved the day for me because she is just stunning and great. If I had to hang out with the adults, it was I wanted to be with her, <laughs> but I yeah. don't think that was the right choice. <laughs> Or, or you know who else could have replaced James Corden? Uh, Dan Levy. Oh my goodness! Right? Yes. Oh, yeah. that man! What a visionary! <laughs> oh my goodness! See, for me, Dan Levy, well, and Aubrey Plaza are what saved yes. Happiest Season. Like, yeah, they were the reasons. I kept watching that movie. So they were great. And I I loved Aubrey Plaza's very subtle heartbreak. Her whole oh mm. gosh. She yeah. rocked it. But yeah, Dan Levy, oh my goodness, that man. He's so funny. It can be rough when a movie that you're really, really looking forward to just doesn't do it for you. Just wasn't that great. Especially like this didn't happen this time. But I've had it in the past where I've already bought the merchandise and then I see the movie and I'm like, okay, (laughs) cool. But sometimes a movie that you're not expecting to like or to even be good ends up being really enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. We had a few of those this year. I... I mean, it's kind of a sh- like that's kind of my why sometimes when people ask me if I've seen a good movie, I'm like, oh no, I haven't seen that, but I've seen these ten horrible ones. Do you want to hear right. about them? <laughs> I love a bad movie. They were I just really do. entertaining. Yeah, yeah, I love a bad movie. Um, <laughs> I well, I specifically love a so bad it's good movie. Yes. Like Jupiter Ascending, yeah, <laughs> I yes. think is like the pinnacle of <laughs> so bad it's good. <laughs> oh, if we have, if okay, when we have Lizzie on here, we need to talk about Jupiter Ascending. Going we to gotta be, send that invite out like right topic. now. That's yeah, we should. Yeah. We gotta do that. <laughs> Channing Tatum played a dog. I just a lot of things happen. <laughs> the bees can recognize royalty. <laughs> Not since Nicolas Cage has there been quite a bee movie. Well, I guess and <laughs> the one where Seinfeld played a Indeed. bee who fell in love with a the human. Bee movie. 
<laughs> or there's also Aquila and the Bee, oh, which yeah. is about a little girl and a spelling bee. <laughs> yeah, but that one just makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think that this next category is a really important one. It is. It's our my my favorite most enjoyable bad movie. My happy place. Me, it's, I like we've talked about this, but when I have had a stressful week or a stressful mm-hmm. day, I need a terrible movie. Like that <laughs> is such a stress relief for me. I don't and I maybe don't even know why. It's just yeah. comfort food, I guess. It is. I think it's because like well, especially with one that you've seen before. <laughs> like, I mean, with any movie that you've seen before, you know exactly what to expect. And so you can just kind of let go of any, like, anticipation or, like, stress that you have. Because it's you already know what's going to happen. So you don't right. have to worry about it. Um, but I think with, like, kind of that, like, so bad it's good kind of thing is that like you can your brain can enjoy it on different levels and if that makes sense at all like you can enjoy it on like a more like intellectual high concept level (laughs) where like okay I see what they were trying to do with this movie and then you can also enjoy it on this very low brow like this is ridiculous kind of level yeah and I think that's where I think that's why we love bad movies (laughs) I think one of the hardest things to do is for a fellow lover of bad movies to to set out to make a bad movie and then mm. actually have it be authentically bad, but so bad it's good. Right. Um, yeah, it's really hard to do that intentionally. Like, there was one last year, um, The Dead Don't Die, that was one, oh. just, <laughs> it was a zombie film that set yes. out to make, it was kind yeah. of a love letter to zombie movies. I loved that movie until like the last 10 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I, I saw it like three times in theaters in another, (laughs) another lifetime because I think it really hits that like dry humor satire Mm -hmm. while also like having those elements of bad cinema. I just, I freaking loved that movie. But, like intent but like a self-aware though right yeah and also bill murray in (laughs) zombie comedies is like its own genre now (laughs) yeah that man oh my goodness (laughs) let's have more bill murray in zombie comedies please Please? i would quite enjoy that yeah Um, (laughs) that's that's a good example of like I like I don't think that the dead don't die I wouldn't classify it as like a so bad it's good movie like I would just classify it as like a good movie but yeah right. I get I get what you're saying and I think it's that self-awareness that kind of m- turns it into a good movie rather than a so bad it's good movie Totally um, Yeah but um let's talk about the movies in this category <laughs> There's some good ones. There's some stinkers oh in here. I can smell it um, from the screen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Should we, like, should we just, like, let's just present the award? Because, like. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, let's just do it. Okay. <laughs> we thought it was only fair that we got to present one. Mm-hmm. Like, So the nominees for Most Enjoyable Bad Movie are... Fantasy Island. Like a Boss. Doolittle. Scoob! Exclamation <laughs> point. Very important. And The Turning. And the poppy goes to... It's a three-way tie. <laughs> it's a three-way tie. There were just too many. <laughs> We've oh, got my goodness. Fantasy Island. We got Like a Boss. And we got Scoob. You know... Scoob! <laughs> I don't even know why Fantasy Island stuck with me. <laughs> but it was... <laughs> it was so bad. But I had so much fun. It was one of my last, like, dates with myself to go to the movies by myself and watch a movie. And I had so much fun with my bad movie theater popcorn watching this horrible (laughs) movie. I think it was after, like, a long day of work. So, again, I was stressed and I just needed an escape. And this movie delivered (laughs) on a bad, horrible often offensive front (laughs) that sounds wonderful yeah (laughs) like a boss was that for me (laughs) okay yeah it's so terrible and yet (laughs) like it has no redeeming qualities right and yet (laughs) i enjoyed it and it's so weird because okay you have tiffany haddish yeah glorious Rose Byrne, who's criminally underrated. Yeah. And Salma freaking Hayek. Right. Isn't it too? And Jennifer Coolidge. So like oh. you have like this incredible cast and then like this movie <laughs> that's just so terrible. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. I mean, I had fun watching it. Yeah. But- like <laughs> Haddish and Coolidge are two of my comedy goddesses. Like, I love them so much. Well, it just won a Poppy Award. So there you go. So there you go. (laughs) And Uh, then there's Scoob. (laughs) Scoob. Oh, Scoob. Scoobs. Scoobs I don't even see Scoob. Me neither. (laughs) I've I've grown a little tired of these. Let's make it 3D. Let's make these formerly, like... 2d animation style movies into 3d and then somehow it's different like it's i don't know you got to do something more with the plot too Mm. but okay yeah or you know taking like a classic animated disney film and making it live action yeah and then still making a billion dollars every time because nostalgia or whatever Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah anyway and and including <sighs> teasers and the orchestrations of favorite songs from those classic movies, but then the person doesn't even sing those classic mm. songs. Okay. Mm. They're pushing me off the stage. I gotta go. <laughs> the music is playing. <laughs> I'm Wrap feeling, up your acceptance speech. I'm feeling the cane like around my, my stomach to, yeah. We only have um one award left. The most prestigious award of, well, I guess the most prestigious award is what we're ending with. Mm-hmm, that's true. So I guess we have we have two awards left, but we have one left that listeners voted on. This is the big deal of, of the, the night. The big one. Yeah. 
And I think that our favorite movies are included already in the nominees. Yeah. For for the most part. Because, you know, we just picked our favorite movies for the nominees. And we stuck them right in there. (laughs) We just stuck them right in there. Best picture. And who better to present best picture than a woman, a writer, a goddess, our friend Lizzie. Hi, this is Lizzie Simonen from Glasgow, Scotland. Well, I'm not from Scotland, as you can tell from my accent, but that's where I'm recording. I love films as portals into other worlds, and in 2020, when we were stuck inside or socially distancing from loved ones, being able to escape for a couple of hours mattered more than ever before. The nominees for Best Picture are... Emma. Hamilton. Birds of Prey. The Old Guard. Palm Springs. Miss Juneteenth. The Five Bloods. The Invisible Man, and Onward. And the poppy goes to... We'll say it together on three, two, one... Hamilton! Hamilton. (laughs) His name is Alexander Hamilton. It was by, I gotta be honest, it was by a landslide. Yeah. I think all the other movies that were even close got like less than half the votes that (laughs) Hamilton did like (laughs) you don't have the votes you don't have the votes so yeah Hamilton obviously really resonated yeah with people this year and like we totally didn't even plan that we just concluded our Hamilton uh discussion series oh how that aligns hey you should go listen to that it aligns perfectly so if you want to hear our very extensive thoughts on Hamilton, just go listen to the four episodes we just released on we, Hamilton. We had a lot to say. Um, we, we've already said everything we could possibly say about Hamilton. But here's four more hours. <laughs> yes. This is yeah, a, Hamilton. This is another one where there are some, there were some really, really, really great options here. Yeah. Definitely. Like, Emma, of course, like, that was my favorite movie of 2020. I loved Palm Springs. I loved The Old Guard. I loved Birds of Prey. I would have voted for any of those. Totally. The Invisible Man. Miss Juneteenth. Yeah. A really, really good movie. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Really strong category here. Amazingly, with with the year that we had. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, just like such a wide array of different types of movies. Really, really a cool list. This would be a great watch list for anyone who it would. wants to see a well-rounded batch of movies from it, 2020. If you know anyone who has never seen a movie before, you can present this list to them <laughs> and say, hey, you would know, like, watch these movies. this is a good gamut of like... All sorts of different movies to watch. Love it. You heard it here first. Maybe you didn't, but that's okay. It's fine. (laughs) Well, is that all? Rhonda, no. Hmm. We still have the most important award of the night. Oh, Oh, you're right. Yes. I I forgot about that. 
This is a very important award. This award resonates so deeply with both of us um, and just really Mm -hmm. has a lot to do with who we are as women and our formation Mm -hmm. as as human beings. And our identity as a podcast, to be honest. Oh, certainly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's built into the DNA (laughs) (laughs) of our podcast. So I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this award. My friend, Rhonda, will you do us the honors of introducing this next award? Oh, of course, of course. We are, of course, talking about the Vanessa Hudgens Award for Excellence in Vanessa Hudgensing, which is awarded every year to Vanessa Hudgens. Wow. So we would like to present this award to... Vanessa Hudgens. Vanessa Hudgens. Thank you. This was a year that she played three different versions of herself. She seemed to have so much fun playing each one of them. She did, you know, and she also, you know, had uh, a very, very um, controversial um, Instagram video where, you know, she was not taking COVID seriously. Oh, Um, yeah, but you know, I I hope that she learned from that. I hope that she me you know, too is 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 gonna do better. Yeah, um, I believe in her. Yeah, congratulations, congratulations to Vanessa Hudgens, and to indeed to all of our nominees and um, recipients of awards tonight. I think yes, we really celebrated some wonderful performances and some wonderful art this evening. So yes, if you if you are the winner of an award, please contact us. Yes. So that we can send your award to you. Yes. Yeah, you know where to find us. You know where to find us. Well, maybe maybe you do. If where can they find us, Aaron? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and kind of on Facebook, although not really cuz Yeah. I don't know. Cuz um, Facebook is terrible. Yeah. And the popdna.blog and... And just like around, you know, we just hang out. On the wind sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... We do. And Spotify, certainly, and wherever you find your... Wherever you're listening to this. Anywhere you find your... I mean, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Right, right Is where you can find the rest of the episodes of our podcast. (laughs) They're all there. And a big round of applause to all of our presenters this evening. Indeed, yes. Thank so you to much all fun. of our presenters, all of our podcast friends who joined in to make this project special. Yay! And I hope that you'll join us next year, too. Yeah! Because I hope that we continue to do this awards show. As long as there are bad movies to see, <laughs> I will be here to rate we- them. <laughs> We will indeed. <laughs> oh, and I, oh, and that's, yep. Okay. Yep. They're playing us off. We got to go. Oh, we got to go. All right. Um, well, thank you, my okay. friends, and okay. we'll, we'll see you next time. Bye. Okay, bye. 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 Bye.
what I meant there was yeah me too instead of yeah me too (laughs) don't know yeah me too (laughs) yeah me too yeah yeah I'm gonna start recording (laughs) yeah look at me recording and stuff (laughs) we're recording a podcast (laughs) (laughs) should I start yeah who talks first you talk first I talk first it's a little Poe Dameron quote there (laughs) okay um (laughs) I think that's a very interesting, I think, um, um, <clears throat> dang it. Why didn't I put everything I wanted to say into my notes? This is what always happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> I mean, but yeah, next week we are talking about, um, the more broader, broad, the more broader <laughs> me the more an intellectual <laughs> so please if you want to make the world a better place take a look at yourself and make a change mic drop yeah mic drop yes literally that was michael jackson um a literal michael jackson drop. Yeah. yeah oh you know earlier we were talking about who's the hottest mic uh-huh it's still michael b jordan but uh, i think yeah. <laughs> oh man would it <laughs> Wouldn't Michael Jackson have made a good Joker? Oh my goodness. Right? This is, this is this second is date three. update with Brooke and Jubal. Just kidding. Yes. <laughs> oh man, is that show still on? Every time I'm in an Uber, it's playing. I, oh and gosh. I love it so much. I have not listened to a radio station in <laughs> quite some time. Yeah. Um, and this, mm, sure. instead Much of... Much like I, Mary Bennett. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> you are Mary Bennett. Oh my gosh, Erin. Oh. I mean this in the most loving way possible. You are Mary Bennett. Oh no. No, she's great. She's great. Mm, uh-huh. She's the most accomplished. She's the most accomplished in her family. Uh-huh. <laughs> Rhonda- See, it all connects. Uh-huh. I'm a murderer just like you, sweetie Todd. <laughs> Sorry. It all connects. <laughs> but I don't know that yet. My character doesn't know that. <laughs> but I'm suspicious. <laughs> and Are you going to do a Michael Caine impression? Oh, if only I could. A better human would. <laughs> but no. I would love to hear your Michael Caine impression. In the privacy of our outside of the, <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> Perhaps. Okay. Just say rise applies. See, yours is so good. I can't. <laughs> but I can only do it with the word rise applies. <laughs> I can't do it with anything else. <laughs> That's fascinating. I love that. No, I think I'm Lizzie Bennett's horse that she rides. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. well, she never rides a horse, though. Someone does. There, Jane, I am Jane a horse rides a horse from that movie. Yes. Jane rides a horse. Remember? Yes. Back. Yes, that one. Anywho, sorry, friends. <laughs> yes. Um, from the movie, not from the book. <laughs> so, all to say that line is not in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Horseback. Uh, this is actually a really great, 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 <laughs> a great, a great quote from the video. Oh my gosh, I am. I apologize. I deeply apologize for my. 
You know what? I don't. Rhonda can apologize, but (laughs) frankly... No, I didn't apologize. I apologized. Oh, never mind then. That's fine. I apologized too. Yeah. Um... Bobby Newport. Bobby Newport. (laughs) Bobby Newport's never worked a day in his life. No, you gotta be more scary with it. Bobby Newport. Bobby Newport. Anya Chalrada. Oh gosh, cut this out. (laughs) (laughs) Edit this out, me. (laughs) Edit this out, Rhonda. Do you want to Google how to pronounce it? (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna do that. Okay. (laughs) Hold on for one more day. (laughs) I am now in a world where I am. (laughs) In a world where everyone is a (laughs) podcaster. Oh, well, I mean, can you? That would be insufferable. <laughs> I guess that's kind of the world we're in. Most that's people. That's true. Like, who doesn't have a podcast now? <laughs>